Welcome to Season 6 of the Marrow Masters Podcast Series, sponsored by the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, Insight Corporation, and Cadman. The National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, established in 1992, strives to help patients, caregivers, and their families cope with the psychosocial challenges of transplant, from diagnosis through survivorship. This season focuses on advice for dealing with GVHD from both patients and healthcare professionals. Here's your host, Executive Director of the NBMT Link, Peggy Burkhardt. Welcome, everyone. This series focuses on all things GVHD. We're going to peel back the layers. We're going to talk to experts and patients alike about their struggles, victories, best tips, and so much more. So get ready. Get ready to be inspired, educated, and updated on this often tricky disease. GVHD might be a part of your life post-transplant, but we want you to be encouraged that it is most likely temporary. We'll learn from healthcare professionals and survivors in this season who want to share with you so that you can beat GVHD and thrive despite it. You'll appreciate their grit, honesty, and determination to live their best life. Today, we welcome Dr. Sung Choi, a pediatric bone marrow transplant physician at Michigan Medicine. Dr. Choi is here today to share her wisdom, her compassion, as a physician regarding GVHD and how youngsters can better navigate this condition. So welcome, Dr. Choi. It is certainly a pleasure to have you with us again. You helped us in season four regarding the caregiving of pediatric GVHD patients. And today our podcast will cover many topics that relate to GVHD in pediatrics. We know it's tricky, frustrating, and sometimes even painful, and so much more. So let's get to it. Thank you so much, Peggy. I am happy to cover pediatric GVHD today and so happy to be here for season six. Uh, This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and I enjoy talking about it. It can often be very scary and overwhelming, but hopefully as we go through each of the sections of today's podcast, families can be encouraged that with information and knowledge, we can get you and your child through transplant and often the scariest times that may be related to graft-versus-host disease. You know, Peggy, despite major advances that have occurred in transplant through the years, acute GVHD really continues to be a major cause of complications after transplant for both children as well as adults. And so, When I use the general term of pediatrics, I'm really referring to young children, toddlers, adolescents, and young adults. Generally, this is a major focus of topic when patients and families come in for their first consult. And it's important to be educated and knowledgeable about this because this can often be a very scary term to hear about. And it typically is introduced as a complication that can happen shortly after that first week of transplant, after patients come in, they receive the conditioning chemotherapy, doctors and the team will often talk about how this conditioning chemotherapy can set up this sort of inflammatory state. And they may even be taught the term cytokine storm. And this is where inflammatory proteins get released into the system. And the immune system in the patient can often be 
sort of activated by the donor cells that were just infused as part of the transplanted stem cells. And these inflammatory proteins together with other immune-type cells can actually lead to what we call target organ damage. And we'll talk about what those specific target organs are. And many times, most of these discussions focus on adult patients, but this can actually also happen in children. And despite a lot of understanding that has happened over the past few decades in improving our understanding, our knowledge of graft-versus-host disease, incredibly, the medications that we use to help prevent it has largely been unchanged over this period. And believe it or not, we use actually the same drugs in children as well as adults. Obviously, we titrate doses and things like that, but we use very similar types of prevention strategies. But having said that, it's important to understand that a lot of assumptions of efficacy that are used in adults are often extrapolated to pediatric patients. And so applying drugs used in adults is difficult in kids because of dosage, unknown side effects. And so I want to help educate or inform listeners that it is important that when you do go for your first consult to really start trying to ask those important questions about how those drugs can be easily applied in the pediatric setting. Um, And like I said, this is children, adolescents, young adults, and it's important to educate our families that you want to be at a place where there are innovative clinical trials being done so that there are opportunities for getting sort of exposed to potentially life-saving drugs that are used in graft-versus-host disease. And it's important that at the treating center that you are at, especially if you are about to undergo a high-risk transplant, that the center is participating in consortiums like Pediatric Transplant and Cellular Therapy Consortium, as well as Blood and Marrow Transplant Clinical Trials Network, just to get opportunity to expose to those types of potential clinical trials that could be available for graft-versus-host disease, whether it's prevention or treatment. I'm so glad that you mentioned clinical trials. It is so important for people to realize that there are so many out there, even for GVHD, and they make a difference. They could be a trailblazer for future generations, and I love that you brought that up. So thank you so much. So why don't we talk now about how acute GVHD affects different organs? So the classical organs that are affected by acute graft-versus-host disease are the skin, the liver, and the GI tract, affecting from the esophagus all the way to the large intestine. So in rare instances, patients may hear, yes, the lungs, the central nervous system, as well as the eyes can also be affected, but the classical target organs are the skin, the liver, and the GI tract. Typically, the skin is the most commonly affected organ in acute graft-versus-host disease. 
And so typically acute GVHD can occur within the first 100 days of transplant, but it can occur later. And if that happens, you may hear the phrase late onset acute GVHD. And there are different forms of late onset called de novo, persistent, and recurrent. So that's just medical jargon to help the team understand the types and forms of acute graft-versus-host disease. Now, with regards to risk factors, this is a question that we often get. So what are the type of risk factors that can make my child more prone to developing GVHD? And really the most sort of risk factor that sets up patients for developing acute GVHD is that mismatch that can occur between the donor and the recipient. So that's why so much at the beginning with tissue typing and trying to identify the best match donor is one of the first steps that are taken. There's some other things related to the age of the donor, even the age of the patient also. And sometimes being a female, multiply pregnant donor could also set up risk factor for developing GVHD. Sometimes the conditioning chemotherapy, for example, using irradiation. And you will also hear just having that risk factor of having a cancer as opposed to a non-cancer can also increase the risk for developing acute graft-versus-host disease. So I hope that helps in terms of understanding the types of organs that could be affected. And typically, Peggy, when we do see acute graft-versus-host disease, we assign a grading system between one to four. And this helps us so that whether you're here in Michigan or you're here in California, that a common standard uniform approach to grading the graft-versus-host disease as well as treating is applied across different centers. Well, that's interesting. I did not know that. I did want to ask you, when you mentioned that the skin is the most affected, is that also true for adults then? Yes. So both in kids as well as adults, it's one of the first organs that you can actually see a rash and it is the most commonly affected across all ages. Okay, wow. We're going to be covering skin issues as well this season. So there'll be another podcast on that as well. So we'll make sure people know that. Next, Dr. Troy, I'd love to talk about how common it is actually for pediatric patients to develop acute or even chronic GVHD. So that's a question that we often get. And whether you look at different types of published reports and look at all the different types of studies, you will see a very wide range, anywhere from between 25% all the way up to 85%. And why is there such a big range? Well, it's related to multiple factors, like we just talked about the type of mismatch between the donor, the recipient, the age of the donor and the recipient. And so that's why there are that large range of risk for developing GVHD. 
with regards to if you have a perfectly matched sibling donor, we typically say the risk is around 25%. Now, once acute graft-versus-host disease develops, it is most common that the first drug that the patient will receive is high-dose steroids. About one-third of children do not respond to upfront steroid therapy for acute graft-versus-host disease. And so that's what I was getting at in terms of having access to clinical trials and other types of newer drugs in order to have that sort of armor in treating graft-versus-host disease. And multiple studies have shown that that upfront response to therapy can actually dictate how your outcomes will be related to how responsive you are to steroids. And most of the side effects related to acute GVHD therapy are related to the side effects directly from steroids. And what are they? To name a few, uh, high blood sugars, high blood pressure, infections. Steroids can also affect growth mood, behavior, as well as just overall quality of life. So it's important to ask your treating physician, as well as the staff, what types of things to anticipate. And I'm so glad to hear, Peggy, that you're going to be having this whole session on skin. And so learning how to identify the rashes, learning how to best treat and be vigorous and rigorous in following the treatment plan is very important. And so um, I think that's great that patients and families will get to hear more about um, skin. And that goes for sort of the GI tract and how to be aware of common symptoms. So let's talk more about what's the average time it takes to develop acute GVHD? Yeah, so generally the average time to developing GVHD is within that first 30 days of transplant. And so the first few weeks after receiving the conditioning therapy, it is very common for the team to be coming in to do vigilant monitoring of the skin. There's tons of questions related to all sorts of things related to the GI system nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and it's important to keep track of those signs and symptoms because they could be early markers of acute graft-versus-host disease. And so I think important vigilant monitoring by both the patient family as well as the team is important early on given that the time frame for developing acute graft-versus-host disease is typically within that first month of transplant. Compliance with medications and adherence to therapy by the treating center is very important. And hopefully, it's a team approach to treating your child. And I'd like to bring up sort of this whole concept of clinical trials because I think it's quite important to just be aware of them and continue to ask your treating center what type of clinical trials are available for your child should he or she develop GVHD. And while 
trials are increasingly being conducted to test new drugs in GVHD. Children typically come later because of the safety data that need to be established first in adults. And I feel that pediatric transplanters are always trying to strongly advocate for children and encourage their eligibility into these novel clinical trials. As of 2020, there are approximately 42 studies being conducted really internationally and are enrolling children, adolescents, and and young adults as part of their study population. There are about nine additional studies in the United States and, and some outside of the U.S., typically enrolling patients less than 30. The whole point being that it's important to be aware of available trials and to advocate learning more about them from your treating physician. And like I said earlier, just getting access to these potentially life-saving drugs just provides additional armor against treatment for acute graft-versus-host disease. With COVID, you see what you said earlier about being the last to be studied. I mean, we're living it right now with the vaccine. Absolutely. And it mirrors what we face in the health system all the time. The recent COVID vaccine trials are perfect examples, Peggy. Children typically come later because of the importance of safety data. But I do feel that in well-designed trials with good safety measures, it can happen. But it requires taking the time and the energy and the resources to include children. So as of today, May 4th, it's so exciting that we're hearing that 12 and up may be approved for the Pfizer vaccine as early as next week. That's super exciting and really just shows the diligence of communities, pharmaceutical companies, health systems all coming together to make this happen. And I think in the bone marrow transplant community, graft-versus-host disease, watching this is truly encouraging that we can get our kids earlier access to clinical trials. I'm going to ask you a question. So, you know, Dr. Steve Pavletic always says the GVHD will even out, it'll level out, it'll fizzle away in time. Do you see that with children? Is there that wonderful uh, burnout of it eventually as they get back to life? So that's a great question. And in terms of acute graft-versus-host disease in children versus adults and having had the opportunity to care for patients in both settings, children have healthier organs and their ability to tolerate more insults to the body Certainly, they are very resilient, and I do feel that you can see improved outcomes in terms of that GVHD burning out, and I think it has to do with younger donor, younger patient, and those are all favorable prognostic factors, and so outcomes generally are better, but having said that, there are longer-term side effects that are still very important to be vigilant about and monitoring. What are those? Well, if we think about social reintegration, going back to school, 
getting jobs, neurocognitive effects, quality of life. These medications ultimately do impact and do produce insults to various organs. So that long-term effect is much longer. They build. And so, yes, the short answer is children are more prone to having the GVHD burn out, but we have to remain vigilant about the long-term sequela that can happen in our children with the very sort of robust treatment that we have for graft-versus-host disease because of the potential side effects and the accumulation that occurs over time. So interesting. Thank you so much. What else might we talk about? Maybe a little bit about chronic? Yes. So chronic graft-versus-host disease is an important topic. And while skin is the most commonly affected target organ in acute graft-versus-host disease, lungs are typically the most commonly affected in what we call the classical chronic GVHD. So when we talked about acute GVHD, it typically affects the skin, the liver, the GI tract. But in chronic graft-versus-host disease, almost any organ can be affected. And it is not restricted to a single organ or a site. It can actually involve many sites simultaneously, the lungs, the skin, the eyes, the joints, fascia, hair, nails, mouth, genitals. GI tract, liver, the immune system, neuropathy, kidney problems, heart problems, fluid retention. And so it almost is quite similar to an autoimmune disease. And it's a syndrome. We call it a syndrome, really, because there's a variable clinical features that can develop and often resembling autoimmune disorders, similar to scleroderma chronic immunodeficiency, or other terms that patients may hear about called immune cytopenias. And so it can affect almost any organ. The typical time frame that chronic graft-versus-host disease may develop is generally after 100 days of transplant. And so when I talked about acute GVHD, the risk factor being anywhere between 25 all the way to 85%, chronic GVHD is similar, where the risk for developing it, once a patient reaches that 100-day mark, the risk of developing it is generally between 30 and 70%. And again, it's similar types of risk factors for developing chronic GVHD, meaning we often see it in patients who receive peripheral blood donor cells as opposed to bone marrow, and with regards to the mismatch of the donor and the recipient as well. And similar to acute GVHD, there is a uniform scoring system that is used, and you may have heard Dr. Pavletic uh, talk about the NIH chronic GVHD consensus criteria. And children are at risk for developing chronic GVHD just as much as adults are. But because in children we generally use more bone marrow cells as our donor source, we don't see it as commonly as seen in the adult situation. 
It is important to know for patients undergoing allogeneic transplant that chronic GVHD is probably the most significant long-term complication after allotransplant. And because of the number of organ systems that can be impacted, I mean, you heard me list them all, quality of life can become very significantly impacted in those who develop it. And it's important to have that adherence to the treatment plan, follow up to the transplant center. I think so many patients, they just cling on to that first 100 days, but it remains very important to continue follow up even beyond 100 days monitoring for signs and symptoms of the chronic graft-versus-host disease. It can come on very subtly, uh, first noticeable just by slight changes with the eyes or the mouth, and it's important to have that constant communication with your treating center so that you're informed, educated about the types of signs and symptoms of it so that it can be addressed sooner rather than later. That is so important. And we, you know, one of the things we hear all the time too is people get back into their hometowns and their communities, just trying to have a physician that understands graft-versus-host disease. I would imagine it's challenging for pediatricians, uh, but I have a feeling your center works very well (laughs) trying to bridge that gap and help these young people get on with their lives and thrive. Absolutely. And I think During this pandemic, we've all learned to really use telehealth to our advantage. And hopefully, even in patients and families who leave or live far from their treating center, that we can take these platforms of Zoom or video visits. And it just takes being informed and educated. I know I've used those terms often throughout this podcast, but I think that's important. And oftentimes, it's patients and families who go back and are educating their PCP, their pediatrician, their family practitioners about graft-versus-host disease, about the late effects of therapy, and working closely together with your pediatrician and PCP. And certainly, transplant centers are more than happy to do that, but I think that does require very good communication and follow-up. But I think in this day, we've learned through the pandemic that's really accelerated the use of telehealth to take advantage of these types of platforms to continue close follow-up and monitoring of transplant-related issues and complications that can occur beyond those first 100 days of therapy. Now, Peggy, I did want to touch upon, I know we talked a little bit about clinical trials, and because we're on the topic of chronic graft-versus-host disease, there are actually two drugs that are commonly used in chronic GVHD that are actually now FDA-approved. You know, obviously, they are mostly used in the adult setting, but it's encouraging that we're seeing newer drugs that are being used for graft-versus-host disease, in particular chronic GVHD. And in recent years, since 2017, the first sort of drug used in chronic GVHD got FDA approved, and we had another agent 
that was recently a fast track, granted priority review for chronic graft-versus-host disease, and it was for children 12 years and older. So I do feel we're getting that awareness out of including children in clinical trials and even in the setting of acute graft-versus-host disease, which could be considered in the large schema niche types of syndromes or complications. So that is encouraging. That sure is encouraging. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that. That's why we like to have these timely podcasts so that people know there are things out there all the time, changing lives and making things better for patients and their families as they just try to get through this and get back to life. So thank you so much. Is there anything else you might want to add? I've talked a lot about the advocacy of clinical trials and the importance of them, but I think it's also important to recognize supportive care. So what do I mean by supportive care? Well, many of the therapies and treatment plans that we have for graft-versus-host disease can cause a lot of side effects, and I mentioned a few earlier. And so having very good supportive care is vital for monitoring of growth, development, quality of life, cognitive effects, and to really safely allow reintegration back into school, into work. And so working with your treating center, your pediatrician or family practitioner for when you go back home, just really asking and inquiring, are there other things that you can be doing outside of just the medication treatment plan? Are there other supportive care things that can be done for mental health, for quality of life, for support in, I know for children going back to school and for young adults being able to work again are vitally important. And though they may develop graft-versus-host disease, I think it is possible to be able to manage it with your family and your treating center to allow safe reintegration into those settings once the GVHD is under control. So asking those types of questions early on, I think is important. That's terrific. I'm so glad you brought that up. That is a very important part of all of this. Ah, wow. We covered a lot. Thank you so very much. I'm going to let you close out with any thoughts. And again, this was wonderful. When I think about patients and families that I've had the opportunity or privilege of taking care of over the past few years, and I think about this topic of graft-versus-host disease, because most of my time now is mostly spent in the survivorship clinic, I get to see young kids who developed very severe grade 4 acute graft-versus-host disease spend weeks, months in the hospital, going through steroids, the next line of therapy, the next line of therapy, develop an infection because of the steroids or because of that next line of therapy. But there are incredible outcomes. And being in the survivorship clinic, watching those children come back as teenagers, young adults, because that GVHD ultimately did burn out, because we were able to get the right combination of drugs that worked in treating 
getting that infection under control, that they do go back to school. A recent one who got into medical school, it it truly brings tears of joy watching that. And I guess in pediatrics, that's one of the benefits of seeing these incredible outcomes. And even in the difficult ones, we get to learn from those processes to make the future treatments better or the future combinations of how we take care of a certain complication better. And so I do feel over the years, it's amazing how much our knowledge of GVHD has progressed and the types of therapies and the types of treatment plans that are being used are based on prior sort of knowledge and clinical trials that have been done. And so hopefully the patients and families listening will be encouraged by that. And really, I strongly urge you to be advocates for your child and just ask as many questions as possible um, for you to become educated about this because lo and behold, you're going to go back and you're going to be educating your pediatrician and your family (laughs) practitioner more than likely. That is very true. We hear that all the time. Wow, this was just so incredible. Thank you again. I loved hearing these stories and it just, there's so much hope. Thank you, Peggy. It was such a pleasure to, to be back. I would like to thank the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link for the opportunity to share these thoughts today. This has been the Marrow Masters Podcast. Feel free to share this episode via text, email, or social media. Don't miss an episode. Follow Marrow Masters in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to connect with the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, visit nbmtlink.org or click on the link in our show notes.